Doctors are there to mop up the mess. Yeah. Let's not create the mess in the first place. Let's keep people healthy by knowing farmers, eating from their farms and knowing them and engaging their community, breathing their biome, those farms. You literally would not need to see doctors as often. We're paying the farmer now, not the doctors later. Hey folks, Jason Witten here, your host of the Wealth Faculty Podcast. And this week I had a chance to sit down with uh, an award-winning grazier, uh, Charlie Arnott. Yes, he is from the Arnott family, but we didn't talk about biscuits in this episode. Charlie Arnott, award-winning grazier from New South Wales, Burua, grew up in the country very much like me, and we had a good chat about the idea of regenerative farming and uh, new farming techniques and principles that uh, Charlie is super, super passionate about uh, bringing to the world as part of education. For me, this is a special one because, you know, as part of creating wealth uh, and being a property investor, which is my at my central core of, of my teachings and the things that I've done over the last 20 odd years, uh, it's, it's a, a reminder about taking care of the planet uh, and not taking from the planet to diminish it, but uh, having a balance, a symbiosis in how you use the land, how you live and flourish and receive nutrition from the land. Uh, my business partner, Sam Saggers, is passionate about creating buildings that don't detract and destroy the planet, but, but add value and um, are carbon positive in the plat, uh, in, their, uh, in their footprint. And so too, Charlie is absolutely passionate about doing the same when it comes to farming. He grew up in traditional farming and realized that traditional farming was destroying the land, literally poisoning the land and taking from it. And he pioneered in a very brave way uh, a new approach to creating sustainable farming, regenerative farming uh, techniques across Australia. He is uh, an award winner, um, a Bob Hawke uh, Landcare Australia Award and is taking this message um, uh, all around Australia and the world about regenerative farming um, and, uh, and making sure we take care of uh, not only the environment around us, but the environment inside us as we consume and eat food from these practices. Anyway, gang, hopefully that gives you a bit of an idea. It was, a, it was a, an amazing chat. I certainly enjoyed it, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with Charlie Arnott on the Wealth Faculty this week. Take care. Charlie Arnott, welcome to the podcast. Jason, lovely to be here at the farm at Byron Bay. Uh, well, appreciate you hosting it, us at your office. What a place to work. <laughs> Maybe you were just telling me that you've got some office space here. You've been here for three years and um, a lot of your passion and your work is sort of, you know, inspired like places like the farm. But, um, you know, just as we kick off uh, on the Wealth Faculty podcast today, a little bit of a, a background for those listening in, Charlie Arnott, the Arnott story. Um, give us the quick 30-second background <laughs> and then we can move on past it. You've said okay, it. let's get that out of the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, get it so, out of the way. <laughs> so um, my great-great-great-grandfather, William Arnott, um, yep. he came out here in about mid-1800s. Uh, he started a biscuit factory in Morpeth in, in Newcastle, I think it was 1865. I'm going to get flogged for not remembering that. <laughs> um, and with a couple of brothers actually had different bakeries. The Hunter River flooded a couple of times. He was the only one who sort of rebuilt. Yeah. Uh, and the Scotch oven that he um, built in that bakery still exists there in the same building today. Today. Still oh, there. there you go. Owned by Stephen Arnott. 
Anyway, so he then moved to um, Newcastle and then at some point he moved to Homebush in Sydney. Um, he may not have, but certainly the family did. And my father, my grandfather was a general manager for many years in Sydney and my dad, he did eight years on the factory floor, um, you know, pouring sugar out of bags and flour and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. mum used to joke that um, when friends would ask, who's this nice new bloke you're, you know, you're seeing and they were courting, She'd say, oh, he sprinkle. what's he do? And she'd say, he sprinkles the coconuts on ice for those, which is pretty much what he used to do. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> he did, yep. So that was – that's the um, – that's, the, that's my back. I, I didn't work in the factory. I, I went for a few tours and, yep. you know, snuck the hand into the big vats of icing sugar and all that sort of stuff. As you do as a kid. Yeah, good fun, good fun. So, and, yeah, really um, it's a – I guess it's a nice le- legacy to be involved in and, and it's um, – yeah, no, it's – we we still a few eat a few of the biscuits here yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah. Well, We're not we, involved anymore though. There's no there's no relationship, no family no. relationship. And so you know, for you, uh, your uh, childhood growing up in the country, farming, um, and farming in the, a very traditional sense. You know, yeah. part of the story today. I'd love to chat to you about is you know regenerative regenerative farming. It's a mouthful. Techniques yet yeah, so it fast <laughs> <laughs> um, is where your passion lies now. Hmm. Uh, where did it come from? What, what was the realisation for you, your family? Was there a moment in time it's like, we, we can't do it this way anymore? Was, it, was that your realisation or was, did you get it from somewhere else? Look, I was, I was, I was guess I was nudged in that direction um, by a few things, drought, millennial drought, uh-huh. um, millennium drought I should say, uh, back in the early 2000s was pretty challenging. Um, we were heavy chemical users at the time right? Um, with our cropping and also our animal production systems, you know, back lines and wrenches and so on. Um, so there was a lot of, um, inter- a lot of a lot of inputs. And so, and that was something that was very normal when I grew up and university and I did a rural science degree. So my education and experience was all around conventional farming. Yeah. Which, you know, was uh, about high input, high output, you know, external inputs, um, buying from other people, chemical and, Relying a lot of other people for to 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 um to be engaged in that business. So, yeah. look, I guess there was uh, so it was a bit of a slow burn to be honest. You know, I was getting a bit older. I um, just started um, just before I think it was I I met my my wife, my now wife. You know, I was just starting to question my values, and I was I was there was one moment I do remember very clearly was my I seen one of my paddocks blow away in the wind. Mm. Um, I remember very clearly it was Downs Paddock. There were crossbred ewes in there. We were feeding them grain. The wind was howling and literally there was inches of topsoil, what was going left of away. it going away. So, you know, I was, I was looking at that going, that, that is not something that A, I'm not very proud of, you know, and B, like why is that happening? And, and I, it took me a while to work out that it was really about my management yep. or mismanagement of that landscape. So there was a slow burn and then there was one – Moment, I do remember looking in the in the local paper in the Burrow News, and it was for a one day course, and the course was called Profiting from the Drought, and I thought that's going to be a laugh because who profits from a drought? Yeah, and I went, and it was life changing, um, essentially because there was a facilitator there challenging me on my current par- paradigms as a as a farmer, as, as a, a traditional farmer. farmer. Yep, challenging challenging me on. Um, 
<laughs> Working farm. Perfect, <laughs> perfect it. timing. Perfect timing. Yeah, release the tractor. Um, challenging, challenging me on not just my practices, um, but also my thinking. You know, and 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 my place in in my landscape and as a manager of that landscape. And then one question he asked me, which was quite telling, was, "Are you happy?" And I said, "Well, I'm not unhappy." Yeah. Which is a pretty shit sort of answer. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's um. It's an issue when I grew up in the country as well and, and happiness wasn't the point. No, uh, what's that? I remember, you know, my dad, my, my uncles, my granddad all working in the country. We, we were beef and happiness wasn't the point. It, it was like put up with it. Like it, it was kind of this badge of honour to put up with as much, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's not the right word misery as possible. We had a lo- loving upbringing but, you know, it's an interesting question. It, it's it not been a, a challenging it, question. It's not a KPI. No. You know, our KPIs back then were largely uh, economic KPIs. Yes. You know, we weren't – there were no environmental, ecological KPIs. There was no wellness, you know, personal human KPIs. Um, you know, we were we had a, an economic relationship with that landscape. And talk to me about that because in, in my, um, my limited experience in this place with, you know, the big businesses, Woolworths and others – you know, uh, rightly or wrongly, some of the media has, has sort of said, well, those practices of those businesses has really sort of devalued the farming returns and often in, in that space. Was there kind of that surrounding issue for you in the farm, like, you know, less return from the farm, more chemicals, maybe just poisoning the, the farm, you know? We, we, I guess from a internal, you know, paddock between the ears kind of view. Yes. Uh, we were we were commodity farmers, mm-hmm. so we were in a we were in a marketplace and a situation and an environment, economic environment where we were growing stuff, using the resources at our disposal 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 being the operative word at that time yeah uh, to grow something to sell to someone yeah and it was more a, a, it was a, a quantitative focus it was an excel spreadsheet focus right yeah Yeah. and yield yeah you know more 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 animals on the on per hectare more you know more wheat per hectare um there wasn't much consideration of quality there there was in 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 so far as the more urea you put on your land you you at certain times you might be able to get a higher protein level in your wheat which you could sell for a higher price right right? that was that was a qualitative sort of consideration yep um but mainly everything else was was how much and more 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 and so how do you how do you how do you how do you have more output well you put more in mm. that was the that was the equation we worked on and where did that come in from it came from other people it came from superphosphate it came from urea it came from drenches um, it came from a lot of external you know inputs from other people essentially helping if we go again as <laughs> essentially. You know, the farming, the conventional farming model, I have to say, is a really good model at propping up everyone else's businesses except necessarily except that farmer. very business. Yeah. You know, and, and the, only, the, other, the, the other loser in, in that equation is probably the, the consumer, the people eating that type of food mm, the, at the, the, the other end of it, and quite from a quality point of view. So in that sort of idea we had a moment, so I, I think I need to change from conventional farming to regenerative farming. You know, you talked about the paddock between the ears. You know, did that bring up a bunch of fears, a bunch of challenges for you as a farmer? Like, you know, I think I need to know where I want to go. Can I go there? Is it profitable? Can I make it? 
you know, um, for those listening in now and, and someone in the farming space or even someone who's got some interest in supporting farmers in this way, can you speak to that a bit? Because I, I think that would be terrifying if, if you'd never done it before and you didn't know if it was going to work or not. It is quite um, – I mean, change is daunting, but it's always a good thing, I think. And in this case, um, I knew or I had a pretty good idea about what I didn't want to do anymore. I didn't want to keep spraying chemical. I didn't want to – see my paddocks blow away in the wind. Mm. I didn't want to um, keep, you know, waking up every morning to go out and kill stuff. Yeah. Because that was my job, you know. Yeah. If it wasn't a pest, um, it was, you know, if it wasn't a quick death like killing, you know, pests on crops or, or, or some such thing, it was a slow death because, you know, it might have related more to the health of my animals because, you know, they were, that, that system that they were based in um, was supported by, you know, spraying chemical on paddocks, um, urea on crops and all sorts of inputs again, which um, which propped up really it's like medication for a bro for a, for a sick ecosystem that kept on having to be propped up with more and more inputs, you know. And then something would would be sick, and 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 you know, and I have to say, because I was doing it, conventional farming is a lot about treating the symptom, not the cause. Yeah. So that, that, I guess that was the the headspace I was in, and I knew I didn't want to do that anymore, and and so. That was that was one part of it, and the other part of the equation was I did a fair bit of training at about that time as well. So we're talking 15, 16 years ago, which was identifying to me uh, a couple of things. One, it was 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 getting my getting me to ask myself better questions. Yeah, like, am I happy? Yeah, do I want to do this? Does my behaviour align with my values? Your values about yourself, your family, the planet, the future, all sorts totally. of things. Yeah, totally everything. Yep. You know, and and I mean, again. We're, the words value and or values, I should say, and congruence, and you know, they weren't even the word regenerative. They weren't in my vocabulary back then. Mm. Even the word regenerative is really a reasonably new sort of in the vernacular, you know, vernacular. Being thrown around. So there was this. I, I knew I wanted to get away from something, and I was doing it and being educated in a way that was leading me towards a much better space. Uh, and that, you know, as I say, <clears throat> you know, the first place to change is the paddock between your ears. Mm. You know, what I did do, and I didn't know that at the time, but what I did do is I had this new new tools and, and inf- you know, information and I didn't have it in the right context necessarily, you know. So I went out with these new tools and I really screwed up quite a few things on the So farm. it was a bit of test and measure yourself? Totally, and they're the best lessons. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the tool in the hands of a, someone who's not equipped to use that tool can be quite dangerous, yes. you know. Yes, yes. It could be used for good or evil. And um, so lots of mistakes were made along the way, but that's all part of the learning process. And so, you know, slowly, slowly and had a few mentors and read more books and went more, more courses, understood and was more comfortable with that change. And it is, you know, for those farmers out there listening or people thinking about just change in general, um, it is very daunting. And what I always tried to remember was, you know, think about what I'm gaining, not what I'm losing. Yeah. You know, yeah. think about the benefits to my family not using chemical. Think about the better food I'm going to grow. And one of the big changes in my mind was I was literally in a day, because that's as long as it took, to change my paradigm around what I did. I, I, I went from a commodity producer or farmer to a food producer. Mm. Didn't change much of what I did. It was just how I considered what was my role in this business in this world. And then from that point on, a lot of – changes were made and decisions were made differently because like do I want to be selling food that I think is potentially 
killing someone. Yeah, to harmful be, or to be half dramatic about yeah, it. But yeah. Like, yeah, harmful or or negative for their health. Or do I want to be the person who's supplying to their children, you know, nutritious, healthy, clean food that's contributing to their health? Yeah. Now, so my my sense of responsibility went from, you know, it's it used to stop at the farm gate. Yes, and then it went to. You know, through biodynamics, which is a, which is a, a practice of ours, it you know, it, it went to the you know it went to the universe really in mm. a way because mm. it was like well that's that's where my influence is essentially going to in a way you know because going with the message that you're well doing. That, totally yeah totally yep. you know we um, not that I'm <laughs> suggesting I want my food to go to other parts of the world I'm not a big fan of exporting to be honest because I think we've got enough local food problems we need to solve here yes. and send all our good food overseas. But, um, you know, messaging now can go is global. Global, And, and yeah. you know, it's important to me that people um, are equipped with, with the information they can make meaningful decisions about their health. Well, we were, we were speaking off air before. It's almost like it's a rediscovery of things that have been here for, and I call it forever, or have been around for a long, long time, rediscovering those things that, that a balance uh, approach to through the regenerative farming. You, you've been acknowledged and awarded in this space now, 2018 Bob Hawke Award, Landcare, et cetera, et cetera, magazines, acknowledgements. So it sounds like the, the test and measure yourself, you'd sort of mastered a few of these things along the way. Um, no. No? no. <laughs> I, I don't profess to be an expert in anything. Um, not that necessarily that's what you were suggesting. Yes. But um, I, I think what I'm good at is um, – is is seeing where I can help people connect. You know, there's there's people with solutions and there are people with problems, um, and you know, I can and, and the network is growing and it's a wonderful network with wonderful people and just being able to get people in touch with each other um, that need help. You know, and I, I've always said, you know, a problem is is the result of an unmet need. Mm. You know, and it gets back to conventional farming. You know, in conventional farming, and again, I sounds like I'm bagging it. I am. I'm, I'm actually. More critical of myself than anything else, and what I used to do. But you know, we ha- we see a problem and we go, we need a solution, and it would always be about treating the symptom. Yep, yep. And that's that's not just farming; that's the, that's the medical world as well. And it and seems to things. be a, th- a theme, theme that that can go well totally. beyond farming. And I think anyone listening in can, you know, totally. remove the word farming and think about, you know, put in relationships, put in, you know, health, put in other things. Drop it, it, in there. it would be the, the a similar theme going on it, for those listening and also myself, regen, regenerative farming. It, can you explain the difference? Um, you know, we, Conventional we, and regenerative. Yeah, we used to sort of, you know, do it this way and, and now it's this way. Yeah, well, I guess, look, one thing about regenerative farming is non-prescriptive, which, again, defines it from conventional. Conventional farming, as I said, is relies on a lot of inputs, which means a lot of recipes and people and input and advice and so on. So, you know, and people get... Again, it's like in the medical world, you know, we, we have a problem, we want to treat it with with something and we think you have this pill or you have this implement or whatever it is and you will, that'll solve the problem. Same you know, for everyone is what so, you're saying. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. so the difference with conventional farming and regenerative in that approach is it's non-prescriptive. Um, you know, we it's all about adapting practices to your business, your your situation, your, you know, your your budget or, you know, it, it's, it's about working with nature. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not waking up every morning, going out and killing stuff. You know, yeah. my life isn't about side, about death. You know, it's about life and abundance. Mm. Um, and I'm, 
you know, I'm enabling nature to heal itself because we've done a lot of damage and, and, and I don't consider myself anymore um, the healer. I facilitate the healing that nature is so wonderful at doing itself. It knows what it needs. It knows what's going on. I've just got to stop doing a whole lot of stuff. Yep. It gets in that way. Yep. Um, another, I guess, practice or, you know, differentiation is is dropping out chemical if you can 100% or just less, you know, yep. because chemical – you know, whether it's on animals or plants or soil, it's disturbing the natural functions and processes of nature. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So once you take that out, you take it off that that support system. It's it's like a, I mean, you know, it sounds dramatic. It's like a drug. Yeah, it don't. It, it has short term benefits if you even call it benefits, but it creates longer term problems. Dysfunctions. You know? Yeah, dysfunctions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, there are five main landscape functions: uh, solar, mineral, hydrological biological and people, right? They're the five things that operate in a landscape that are really important. People often the most forgotten about, you know, the mental health of those people in that community. Yes. So in conventional farming, we tend not to look at those very much. And if we are, we're looking at how we can use them to to um, how we can actually use those resources, not utilise them. Mm. So, you know, in regenerative farming, a lot of, the, a lot of it's about stopping doing stuff. Stopping doing stuff. And then... In my head, it just popped up like you're almost consulting with the earth around you rather totally. than forcing what you think on it. It, it you know, it's almost a, a two-way communication with what you're trying to achieve. It's a good point, Jason. It's about um, – do you reckon we could have some more vehicles drive past? <laughs> <laughs> I can get them – I can get them like – here's another one. See? Oh, here he is. We've got a few coming. <laughs> here he is now. Yeah, just go around the block. Um, <laughs> what was the question? Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. So, I mean, some of the – some of the again the differences are we we, we listen a lot more mm. and we observe and we use more intuition and intuition is something you just can't pick up and you know use it's not a, it's a tool of sorts but it's about listening very deeply to more your heart than your head yeah um, and so we become more observational and we become more reflective and again it's about um, Often it's about letting, again, natural processes take place that we would normally want to disturb. We don't want stuff growing so we spray it and yep. we plough it. Yeah. But, you know, when you change your perspective and change your paradigms about the very same thing, weeds, for example, in the old you know, conventional world that I was in, we'd see a weed and we go, I want to kill you, I want to spray you, you're dead. Invariably another weed would pop up. A different weed that couldn't be killed by that spray, you'd need another one. Another one, yeah, yep. that's right, create another problem. Now, the difference now is that I look at that plant and I go, what's that plant telling me? Mm. It's telling me one of three things generally. It's need, there's a compaction in the ground, there's a mineral deficiency or there's bare earth. Yeah. And it's doing something. And if I can read that, that communication, weed yeah, and understand what it's doing, I can, I can then make a few decisions. I let it do its thing because it's doing me a service Yeah, because nature's far smarter than I. Mm-hmm. Um, or I can do something to, to maybe change the pattern that, that's, that, that's taking place there. But... It's it's about being uh, the role of an enabler, not a disturber. You know, and it's not about ext- it's not an extractive way of thinking, gobbling up resources to to make a commodity. It's about how do I best enhance the natural processes to create beautiful, nutritious food. The question in my head, and and maybe for some listening in, it's like, well, how does that translate from a dollars and cents point of view? If you're a farmer, you you make your living out of it. And my assumption is that goes from a quantity conversation to a quality conversation, yeah. and the value in that, really, in in a dollars and cents point of view. Yep. Another good cup. 
I've never seen so many vehicles drive <laughs> past here in five years. Five years. So the and you know, using me as an example, I'll pay two or three times mm. the price for something of you know organic, biodynamic, whatever that is, whatever that label that I believe's better for me, and my children than yep. than another way. Is that how that translation? Is that how that bridge is crossed? And and do you communicate in that in that sense, or am I am I off the mark? No, no, no. At that end of the scale, at the the, the the eating end. Yes. I think the important thing there is that um, clean, nutritious. You know, food. You you need you literally need less of it mm-hmm. in a serving or in a day. Yeah. And so I think that's what a lot of people forget when they're talking about the economics of, of, of being a consumer. And you know, can I afford eating organic food? Well, you can't. You can't afford not to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to pay the farmer now or pay the doctor later. And it, and there's a price anytime. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And yeah. and like- it's it all comes down to choice. You know, when people say oh, I can't afford organic food, I always say, well, let's not just Stop there. Let's look at what else is in your shopping trolley. Mm. Like, don't think about the fruit and veggies that you might buy that's all, that are organic as opposed to conventional. That's a whole other conversation about labelling and what we call food organic sure. and food. You know, yeah, be the other way around. But um, <laughs> let's look in the shopping trolley and see what else is there. You know, are you buying a whole lot of crap that you don't need to eat and it's full of carbs? It's empty. Um, can you actually stop buying that and put that money into yes, the little bit extra you might need to buy that. You know, organic cucumber or whatever it is. Buy something quality. Buy something of quality, you know, and it's, and it's and it's because, you know, you eat better food, you start thinking better. It's a really – it's a it's a wonderful scenario because, the, you know, the better your brain is functioning, yeah. um, the better decisions you can make. It sounds really simple and, you know, but, I mean, if you can just get that first couple of steps of, okay, I'm just going to bite the bullet, I'm going to try this organic food. And there's plenty, plenty of science getting around now, as there has been for quite a few years, about – the behavioural changes in people when they eat clean, you know, chemical-free and organic yeah. food. Yeah, it is. You know, it can't be argued anymore. Yeah, it's there. But at the end of the day, so from a consumer's point of view, that is that that's a pretty weak argument to say I can't eat organic food because it's too expensive. It's too expensive. From the farmer's point of view, you know, when you stop doing a whole lot of stuff, um, when you sort of working with nature, your input costs go down a hell of a lot. Yes. Now we don't drench. We don't vaccinate. We don't spread superphosphate, um, which we used to do. We spend $40,000 a year on superphosphate, spreading on our country, that sort of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot of lot of reduction in the inputs, literally, and the cost of those inputs because you are not – you're changing your paradigm about what I need to grow stuff. Yes. And um, I, I know you uh, are a fan or you enjoy uh, Paul Hawkins' stuff, the drawdown. Yeah. And one of the major – um, problems is food wastage. Totally. It, there, there's a percentage, I can't remember the percentage, but it's it's significant, surprised me, you know, of the amount of food wasted and, and potentially is is that part of that that circle of conversation here. We don't have to produce as much. You don't have to eat as much. No. Um, let's not waste as much also. Well, the wasting, I think, is, it comes down to more the, the, the um, transportation distribution. You know, there, there's enough food. I don't know how many percentage extra there is produced a year, you know, that can feed the world's population. Um, there's more than enough food. It's about how it's transported. Yeah. Um, and again, it comes down to: do we actually need to produce that amount of food? Everyone's, you know, worried about the population explosions and are we going to be able to keep up? That's such an isolating, an isolated part of the, the whole conversation. Let's mm. talk about what food are we talking? Are we, you know, is it conventionally grown? Is it monoculture? Is it is it empty? Essentially, you know, we're we're underfed and uh, uh, we're 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 overfed. We're, 
What is it? Yeah, under, under, undernourished and overfed. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, the, the obesity and diabetes and heart disease, I mean, these are not isolated health issues, you know. And, and the wonderful thing about regenerative agriculture, and I'll get back to Paul Hawke in, in a minute, is that if we can, you know, if we can look after our environments and our ecology better, you know, and we can sequester carbon, that's a whole other conversation in itself, then, you know, by definition we are producing much better food. Okay. And if we go and eat that food, then we are functioning and, you know, us us as a species is going to is going to be thriving, you know. Um, back to Paul Hawken just quickly. So his, his book, um, Drawdown, which is a collection of the 100 most effective ways to draw down carbon out of the atmosphere. Yeah. If you group all of the regenerative agriculture-based solutions in there, put them together as regenerative agriculture, um, it's 2.4 times more effective than the next one, mm. right? which I think is wind power. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of discussions around global warming, climate change, how are we going to save the planet? Um, Bill Gates the other day was talking something about, oh, we should all be eating, all the first world countries should be eating synthetic meat. Um, that's his That's his view. That's his style. I mean, again, I can't even comment without swearing about that. But <laughs> the, the point is that, um, you know, we don't have to look very far to find a solution that's not just going to save the planet ecologically but mm. it's actually going to be very, very good and the best thing for our, you know, survival of our species because, you know, there's lots of things going around about, you know, we're in the middle of the sixth major extinction. Yeah. And we might be part of it. And most likely causing it as well. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So, and so part of that, um, Ian, you know, in this conversation is all right, produce local, farm local, eat local, be local, like like transport becomes a real issue. Um, yep. Is part of your passion, you know, I, I know some of the stuff you're talking about, small houses, use the rest of the land to sort of grow some of your own vegetables, you know, farming on the roof of skyscrapers in cities, you know, is part of your education and, and message, you know, bundled up in that sort of stuff as well? It's all it's all the same thing, Jason, I, I reckon. It's, it's all about, you know, how regenerative living. So it's not just about how do we grow food, it's about how do we prepare food, how do we transport food, you know, where is that food grown, who's, you know, what are the mental you know, psychological positive impacts of growing that food? You know, are the people growing that food meditators? You know, are they physically fit? You know, how do they contribute to the to the community? And this yep. can all happen not just on a five thousand acre farm. It can yep. happen in a in a backyard in in, a, in an urban urban home. You know, this is this conversation is not just again not just about agriculture. You know, this is about as I say. You know, we're trying to put the culture back in agriculture. Yes. Because this is a this is a this is a massive conversation. Yeah. Um. And yes, it does include beekeeping in urban areas. It does, you know, talk about green roofs. It is, it is, it is talking about, you know, how do we live a better life? Mm. You know, uh, up here in the paddock between areas, in our heart and our gut. Yeah, um, in our three brains, essentially. You know? Our three, our three intelligences. Right. Totally. And and brings the question, you know, sometimes I've thought that the disconnection, the distance from our food, um, you know. The environment, our farmers, like you know, somebody who's never seen uh, an animal be slaughtered or crops be picked or something grow, you know, would you say that disconnection, that distance, if we could close that, 
this would assist and help in this sort of space. That's what you're saying, totally. right? Really, totally. right now, aren't you? And mentally and physically. So mentally, you know, um, appreciating where food's from, understanding yes. where it's from, acknowledging the work that's gone into it, acknowledging the nutrition, and you know, where do I? Why would I choose that banana over the, over the you know a regeneratively grown one over a conventional? You know, there's that mm. sort of decision making side of it. There's also the physical. You know, when one steps into the, into nature and literally breathes breathes the biome of that environment, you know, that air that's been through the lungs of an eagle half an hour before, it's been through the leaves of that tree over there, you know, it's it's seeped out of the ground that morning, that that brings with it an intelligence mm. of that environment. And we have we are only just scraping the surface of our understanding of the way our bodies and our you know our our cells, you know, down to the cells actually relate to and interact with our environment. Mm. The intelligence, the messaging, you know, the virus, when the whole COVID thing, that's a whole other conversation around, you know, how mankind has 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 dealt with that. Yeah. You know, and what that really is. Um you know, we have been on this planet for I don't know how many thousands of years, tens of thousands of years, and been dealing with viruses that whole time. Mm-hmm. Um and the minute that we decide that we don't want to be part of that virus or the environment that's in, that's the end of mankind, you know. And, again, that's a whole other conversation. But my point is the more we can immerse ourselves in the environment, understand it, acknowledge it, be grateful for it, be compassionate to it and literally breathe it, hug a tree, roll around on that grass, we are building immunity, we're building our relationship and we're, we're improving our health. And I don't think there's any scientists – around apart from the ones working for the big pharmaceuticals and the big corporates that would argue that. You know, that is what that's what we need. And back to your question, the disconnect is enormous. Yeah. And if if it's only if all one can do is go and eat organic food, then you're connected. Yep. If you can go to that farm and engage with that community, that farmer, that's another step. If you can get on farm, roll around, move those cows, yes, and see a sheep being slaughtered, you know what? That's life. Yeah. Where there's life, there's death. Cycle of life. Yep. And that and that does that come down to that that comment you know know your farmer like as as in totally. you know you know in my head it's like well you know get to know your school teacher get to know people in your environment in your community you know part of that disconnection you know is 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 just so far away from the people who produce and and you know nutrition that you feed your family with what's I mean I say to people I ask people you know um, do you have a doctor. They go, yeah, of course I got a doctor. You know, how often do you see your doctor? Oh, oh, every six months or whatever. And you know, do you know them by name? Oh, yeah, you know, Doctor Smith, or whatever. You yeah, know. yeah. And I, they say, well, who's your farmer? And look at me like I've got two heads. <laughs> you know, and they go, well, well, how often do you need a farmer? It's three times a day. You know, so we we know our doctors. We only see them every six months, but they're really important. You know, because yeah. they're going to save our lives. You know. But we need farmers three times a day. We don't know them. We don't connect with them. And a lot of people aren't eating decent food produced by good farmers who are yeah. looking after the environment. So, you know, why is that why is that that we and I'm not bagging doctors here, I'm just saying doctors are there to mop up the mess. Yeah. Let's not create the mess in the first place. Let's keep people healthy by knowing farmers, eating from their farms and knowing them and engaging their community, breathing their biome of those farms. We literally would not need to see doctors as often. We're paying the farmer now, not the doctors later. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And like you said, there's a lot of science now. Um, you know, some of these conversations, you know, maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
fringe woo 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 and you spooky wah wah yeah, weirdos. You'd, you'd be laughed out of the pub, but uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I have to say I don't go to the Boorah pub and talk about this stuff a whole lot. Yeah, yeah, but, I, yeah. but it, is, it is interesting though because um, it hasn't happened to me for a while because I haven't been in the pub for a while. But <laughs> my um, some of the the, the the fellows who work for me they go to the pub every now and after football training, and it's funny because some you know sometimes they get bailed up on a Saturday night late. You know, someone's had a few grogs going, hey. Uh, What's that weird stuff you're doing out there? Because <laughs> they're really curious, and that's a good thing. You yeah, know? very curious. Do you see? You know, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversation around technology and social. You know, um, you know, being part of the problem. Do you see it being part of the solution too for your message? You know, sending around the world and, totally. and that sort of reach. You know, um, yeah. Look, I think there's really no excuse. I mean, there's there's the psychological. You know, introvert, shy, um, private. You know, farmers in, in this case perhaps, yeah. and I totally get that. It's not for everyone. But, again, if one wants to get a message out and, and sell the sizzle, not just the sausage, you know, and still sell or not even just going out there to sell but just tell the story of what they're doing. You yeah. know, there's yeah. all those social media platforms. We've got cameras on our phones. Um, we're, we're so connected and that can be really a really positive thing if one chooses to use that sort of technology. So, again, you know, we're blessed that, and this has been a big difference, I guess, over the last you know number of years, that you know this movement is is growing, and I think one of the drivers has been this ability to connect with other people and share their stories, and it's YouTube and it's Instagram and all those things, and that's and people can have a lot of fun with that, you know, yeah. in, a, in a really positive way, and people get curious, you know, 100%. and they and they just think, oh, well, what, you know, I can't tell you how many people who aren't farmers say how much they enjoy the videos I do. About walking through a pasture and looking at literally a pile of cow shit. Yeah, right? it's that's to me it's thrilling. Dung beetles, you know, grass infiltration, all this cool stuff from a farmer's point of view, and a lot of you know they love that. And and, and again, getting back to that previous question, Jason, about connected. You know, that it's a it's a way they can connect. Certainly a way to be. Connected. And the next step is I want to actually walk in that pasture with that farmer. Get out there and get and, my kids there. Yeah. Well, and. <laughs> little guilty pleasure of my own is, you know, watching a YouTube video, there's a guy called the Hoof Doctor and, you know, growing up in the country, you know, shooing the, um, you know, the horses and so on. I always watch one of those every day, you know. They're out. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> it's like, they were doing that and we're putting on the, putting on the shoes. But it's an interesting thing, like you, like, like you say, there could, be, there could be one step of connecting with, with that farmers and also maybe in reverse, the farmers connecting with, mm. with the rest of, you know, their local community and beyond about what they get to, up to too and, and maybe that two-way support, which that's quite um, quite fascinating. It's all about building relationships and I think, you know, um, far more people live in cities in, com- in, the, in the country yeah. and so, you know, I guess there's quite a responsibility for farmers to try and tell their stories to a lot of a lot of different people. But, again, yep. it's, it's easier to do, to do that and a lot of farmers are literally getting into the cities at farmer's markets and selling their products. You yeah, don't have to there. go to someone's farm. You can just go down the road to a farmer's market. Yep. And there's more and more of them and you can ask them questions and you you can, you know, not, not so much make them accountable but they can, the farmers can be accountable for what they do. They can ask questions. Yeah, yeah. And let's hope. I'm sure they're telling the truth and, that's you know, they'll get found out. We're not certified organic or biodynamic. Mm. Um, we're certified by community. Yeah. We say, you Community know. Community knows. Sound, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, yeah. you know, come and go to, go to my chemical shed, which is empty, which I haven't used for 15 years. There's nothing in there. Yeah. Um, you know, taste, let your taste buds, you know, tell you whether you are excited about what you, you know, the, the, the money you spent to buy our product. So, you know, that's just con- customers being discerning. 
I think um, that's gonna there's gonna be more and more of that. You know, I think that it, you know using their taste buds. And I, and I think it's else. I think it's easier than ever for that for that communication, good or bad. Um, totally. These days in that sort of space, there's no excuse. Can I give something a plug if I could? Yeah, hundred percent. I'm, I'm just I've been working with Harris Farm, the, the retailers for, yes. me, oh, for over twelve months now. Yep. And they just recently launched. Um, uh, it's all in the soil campaign. It's all about focusing on the soil, which is the source of food, whether it's a plant or an animal. Obviously, eating you know, grass and so on. And they're focusing on the fact on, on regeneratively grown products in the store. Right? So you can go into Harris Farm, look for the little flies and the little wobbly things and it says this is a regeneratively grown product and I've been part of the certification. I am the certification person so I'll ring those producers and ask them a whole lot of questions about what they're doing. Then there's a follow-up email and there's a, there's, there's a lot of you know, trust involved but it's about being transparent and accountable. And it's not a certification system, it's a verification system and people can now, as they are wanting to, find go into – and it will happen in other supermarkets, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Not, but they are breaking new ground here to go in and find those sort of products. And, again, it's not about being certified because I've pl- I've tasted a lot of shit organic food, certified mm. food. Mm. It's organic by default. Chemicals have been taken out. There's not really a fertility program in place. And so, you know, it gives people an opportunity to find food that is regeneratively grown engage with the food, they eat the food and they can call the farmer, they can go and visit, go and do an event there. I mean, this is these are these little bridges that are being built that um, I hope we see more of. Encouraging people too. And you talked about before, more people in the cities than, than in the country. What sort of, you know, advice for, let's say, the everyday Aussie that you could give a bit of encouragement if they wanted to maybe sort of head down this discovery path of their own? You know, what, what would you sort of give a couple of starting points for people? I would I would give them one starting point, which I don't usually plug because I, I I didn't used to, but I'm going to, is doing one of our biodynamic workshops here at the farm here anywhere anywhere and yeah. on our website you'll see where they are love and, it and you don't have to be a farmer a lot of people who come are either you know backyard gardeners or urban dwellers because what we you know the philosophy and the practice of biodynamics isn't just about going growing a better carrot or a better cow yeah speak to that because I was going to ask that about biodynamics as well well it's a I mean it's a big it's a big Topic and uh-huh. there's a there's a there's a very there's a, there's a I guess there's a bit of there's a science part of it or a substance part of it where you can see cow manure and you compost it and you turn it into something and then you spray it out on your paddock you know Got there's you. a sort of a that side of it there's also a cosmic part of it which relates more to the relationship that other planets have to the earth and what's growing here animals right. plants ourselves soil life biology and so we talk in this in the two day course we talk about the theory of that. Um, and there's a fair bit of it. And biodynamics was a was a concept that was pulled together by Rudolf Steiner in 1924 in a the series Steiner of lectures. Schools. Steiner School, same yeah, guy. Yeah, well, okay. He's a machine. He just does some. He's Knocks incredible. Yeah. So one of the one of the things he sort of brought to, to life or to light, which again wasn't new. He just was able to sort of intuitively pull this stuff together. Was about using again resources that can be easily grown and collected on a farm. And composting them and fermenting them in a particular way that then becomes the source of fertility that we spray on our landscape. A lot of it revolves around manure, cow yep. manure. Yep. So we talk about that. We, you know, there's the agricultural side of it, like manure, food, landscape, air, water. But we also focus a lot about the individual and one's place in nature, as we've just talked about. Yes. Um, you know, what role do we play in our purpose? You know, we all, you know... I haven't met anyone who doesn't eat food. 
um, so we are all connected to food. Yeah, you know, and and those who are more connected, literally by by virtue of their connection with where it's been grown, now they're going to be they're going to be healthier. So we talk about that. We talk about food systems. We talk about you know how to grow better food. And we talk about how to you know I guess how to be a better person. You know how how to form a better relationship with nature because mm. nature is our you know in a business sense is our most valuable business partner. And in in a just a living sense, you know, it is our it's the environment where we, we, that we live. We literally breathe it. So how can we have a better relationship with the environment we're we're in? Whether it's the backyard in you know Borkham Hills in Sydney, or it's at Burrawa or Byron Bay, you know, how can we take that relationship and 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 and, and grow that? So that's our that's a biodynamic course. Um, Got Again, that on my radar right now. Yeah, yes, no, absolutely. I'll, I'll see you. Yep. We, we we have got one at Burua in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, we also, I mean, just getting asked better questions. Go to your butcher, go to your greengrocer, go to your farmer's market, ask those people who are selling you that food where it's from. Yeah. Go to a restaurant and ask for grass-fed beef. Actually, go to a restaurant and ask them, is it grain-fed or grass-fed? Sometimes I go, oh, I don't know, or it's grain-fed. And when they say that, I go, oh, thank you, I'll have the fish. Mm-hmm. Like just... You know, make people aware, that, that, that make them, make people more accountable. Um, and if you don't do it for you, do it for your kids. Yeah, yeah, because they're Take not going to affect. Yeah. And we don't have to wait for, our, for like, we'll say, oh, we're doing this for our children and it's a legacy we're going to leave. It's like, don't, like, that sounds great, but, like, bring your kids for the ride now. Like, like you can actually take them and, 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 and make things more normal. That's probably one, you know, the top suggestion is make growing at, or at least buying organic food or regeneratively grown food normal in your house, that is the biggest step you can take. Yeah. And the kids will come to you and go, why are we going in this door? We should be going in that door to that place because that's where the organic food is. Or I don't want to go to the bloody fun park this weekend. I want to go to a farm, you know. Yeah. They'll start helping in the family's decisions about where they go and the food they eat and, and what their activities are and, es- and essentially their own health. Sooner, sooner you connect them to... Nature and and their surrounds the better, and 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 they and and make them more responsible for that. Mm. You know, like mm. we, I have this saying I say it every day, to various people. But you know, our job as parents is prepare, is to prepare our children to leave us. Yes, right. So you know, when that happens, you know what happens after that is is our responsibility. Yes, they've got to be responsible. So what do we do? You know, we teach them. We make normal the things that we think will stand them in in in, in the best stead. In good stead. Know? And do it now. Do it when they're young. Do it when when they are you know they are malleable. They are they are. You can influence them then because the older they get, the harder that is. And, and that's not to be devious or anything. It's just like you know, how do you want your kids to grow up? Do you want them to be healthy? Do you want them to be conscientious citizens? Do you want them to be, you know, stepping closer and closer to their purpose, or do you want them to be rat bags and and unhealthy and and, and burdens to society. Yeah, and it's that, and, and for me, it's that um, understanding of connection to where you fit in the planet and how you either take from it or add back to it or make it neutral, whatever it is, I think an understanding of that from a human point of view is is vital. Totally. Because and we, we take it for granted. We do, we do, and, you know, you said the word planet. We are, you know, it is about thinking about the planet Um and I also sort of to, to sort of almost on the other side of the coin, you know, it's also about what are you doing locally? You know, where's the, you know, can you support farmers locally? Yes. What's community are you contributing to? 
you know, a lot of farmers get burdened with the with the um, the responsibility of saving the planet. You know, the cows are farting and all this stuff's happening. We got to save the planet, and that's a big burden for farmers. To how can I save the planet? You know, how can I contribute? And I just tell them, just worry about your patch. Yep. If your you look boundary, your backyard, your farm. If you're doing it, it's your microclimate. If your neighbour does that, it gets bigger. If your other bloke on the other side of town does bigger, you know, that's as little things are being, literally seeds being planted around. That's how we save the planet, yeah. not through everyone eating synthetic meat. No. Not through everyone putting up bloody wind turbines and thinking they're going to save the planet that way. You, well, know, that, you, you can't solve a, a biological problem with mechanics. No. You've got to use biology if we think there's a problem and, you know, I'm not saying there isn't a problem but it's all about what is that problem, what needs aren't getting met of this planet and as a species, that we're just not reading the lines. Well, if anyone listening in hasn't had a look at Paul Hawkins' work, have a look, the Drawdown book. Like, it's great. It, it was absolutely fascinating to me to see that wind turbines and solar are nowhere near the most oh, influential part. On, on I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a whole, I got a, I'm not going to go into it now, but I've got a whole thing around that. Yeah. Um, and also the movie, yeah, 2040, um, that is um, which Paul was in. Um, that's D- Damon Gamow's um, uh, film. I mean, that was fascinating and, and fantastic because, you know, a fifth of it because I think there's five or six sort of solutions, as it were, or approaches to, you know, helping save this planet, as it were, and one of them was regenerative agriculture. You mm. know, talked about sequestering carbon, the role of ruminants in the landscape, water cycling, mineral cycling, um, the role of... People in the landscape. People you know. in the, yeah. Fascinating stuff. And one, one of the things, it was actually quite good to see. Uh, I've been working with a, a charity called Room to Read, building schools around the world, and, and we've done our bit, um, 17 schools now, but the, the charity's built like hundreds of thousands of schools, which has been amazing. Wow. And part of that education process of young women mainly around around the world, you know, is one of, is one of the big yeah. rocks as well, which was, which was amazing. So food and... And how you take care of the land, and and it was quite fascinating, as a as a paradigm shift to sort oh, of yeah. see what what's actually scientifically going to be more impactful than you more know effective. the other things. Yeah, 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 yeah. like just yeah. sort of educating women, um, and and so that you know how many children will they then have? What what you know what lives will they lead? Yeah. And that that the impact of that on so many different levels is, from what I understand, the most impactful. You know? Huge. Um, George talking about women. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in in the, the you know, of the sexes, of the of the um, the genders. The women are going to be the ones who will um, lead the way. They already are, and um, actually get more done. They'll be they're, they're far more effective. Yeah. Than us men, we're yeah. good at doing stuff. We're good at being told, <laughs> and we're, and we're you know, again back getting that solution stuff. We just go, you know, as a problem, we'll find a solution. No, it's actually about what what need you know. Women think about what needs aren't getting met, and and also the web of connections often totally. as well, where we're sort of bit sometimes laser focus, which is yep. useful sometimes, but yep. not necessarily all the time. We have our role, Jason, um, and I. But I think you know the 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 bigger role lies with them, not to give them too much responsibility, but I think just you know they they are nurturers. Yeah, you know they are more connected. They're more intuitive, and that's what. Humanity needs now if we're going to allow nature and the planet to heal itself. Mother Nature, I don't think that's a mistake in the way we've <laughs> languaged it. Huh? It's not, yeah. mis- it's not yeah. Mr. Nature. No. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine well, that. 
Imagine Mr. Nature. Uh, yeah. I'd, We'd be getting, I don't know, what I'd, would happen then? Yeah. It'd probably another, it wouldn't be fun. That'd probably be another hour chat. <laughs> <laughs> that's another planet out there. In the that's another, yeah, yeah, that's the, uh, the, on the uh, alternative uh, reality planet. <laughs> that, that we, so <laughs> that's on the Matrix. <laughs> we live on. Your podcast, uh, The Regenerative Journey Season, is about to launch, Season 3. Season 3, Season yes. 3, yep. uh, soon out now. Quick question for you, fan question for you. Like, Who's been your most influential favourite podcast guest or someone most influential in your journey so far um, in your my, my own new journey. farming journey? Yeah, yeah well, I guess, um, well, in terms of the – in terms of the podcast guests, I say um, Joel Salatin is certainly one who's you know been um, often quoted as the world's best farmer. Um, lovely, lovely guy. I've done some work with him a couple of years ago um, in Australia, and I don't know when I'll get to his farm now, but in the states. But he um, he is he's a definitely. If you haven't heard of Joel, Google Polyface Farms. Incredible stuff. Such a wonderful journey and story. Um, David Marsh, who's a family friend from Burua, he's just a wonderful mentor, such a lovely fella and um, very humble man. Charlie Massey, who wrote the book The Call of the Reed Warbler. Anyone who wants to get their head in the space with this stuff, with a really compelling read, it's a big big read but it's a big story, um, Call of the Reed Warbler by Charlie Massey. Mm. Um, uh, he's, he is, he's amazing. Um, uh, who else? Oh, well, Damien Gamo, that was a, a wonderful interview. Um, I'm interview- uh, in in season three. I've got David Pocock, the um, Australian rugby captain and legend. Um, Libby Weaver, I haven't interviewed yet, but I'm, I hope you catch up with Libby next week. Um, Cindy O'Meara, um, so Libby and Cindy are, are similar in that they're you know in the health space, nutrition. Um, wonderful, wonderful um, girls. Lovely. Uh, who else? Maggie Beer. I'm hoping you're lining up an um, interview with her in yeah, South nice. Australia. Neil Perry in a couple of weeks' time. Neil, I'm coming after you. Um, who else? Yeah. So really, I'm I'm interviewing not just farmers, but you know, any pretty much anyone because it all comes back to food, health, relationship with you know the environment. So yes. meditators, um, doctors, nutritionists, farmers. Um, you know, it's not hard to sort of draw people back to food. Anyone well, who eats food, Jason. Like you much. said, it's usually three times a day and we're connected totally, <laughs> to our farmer totally. more than our doctor. So, yeah, that's it. And, and, um, and, and you know, the whole point of the exercise and, and, and the podcast is to identify how we are so, you know, food is so is the centre of really our lives and our connection to nature should be yes. know, more, of a, more of a consideration. Um, and there are so many wonderful stories to tell. Mm, you know, it's about everyone has a regenerative journey, you know, um, maybe not a three-year-old just yet uh, or 10-year-old, but, um, you know, the point is that, you know, through our lives, you know, let's hope that we are having some sort of a regenerative journey ourselves where we are developing and growing and, you know, finding our purpose and, and, and essentially becoming better people, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think journey is the right word. Um, no matter who you are, you have one. And um, was well, not called the regenerative destination for a reason. Mm. It's about you know the the, the course <laughs> we're running, you know. And if yeah. we, if we if we worry too much about the destination, we might set our goals. But if we're not having fun on the way and we're not learning as we proceed towards our destination, then when we get there, we won't know what to do. Smell the roses on the way. Totally. Yeah. Well, it's been a fantastic conversation today. There's plenty of 
offshoots of this conversation. I wish we could have uh, run down those, those rabbit holes, but uh, we, we kept it on track, which was great. It's fantastic to get to know you a little more. The Wealth Faculty is the podcast faculty of faculty members around you or us as we travel through life, relationships and journeys. Uh, and on the other side, you know, your personal faculties, again, I think we sort of ticked a bunch of boxes today um, in my mind about how that relates uh, in the conversations that I've loved, been loving having with my guests. But I always ask my guests one question, usually at the end of the show, it's what is the true meaning of wealth to you, Taliana? Oh, wow. That's one of those questions you wish you'd been primed up with. <laughs> yeah. um, the true meaning one. of wealth. Well, it's not, I mean, uh, it's, it, everyone probably says this, it's not about the financial wealth. I guess it's... Um, might relate more to um, to possibility. You know, I have I have a quote. I'm, I'm dodging the question a little bit here, Jason, but I have a quote that is not mine. Um, is in and the the um, the definition of luck, and I sometimes put in the in front of their success is the confluence of preparation and opportunity. Mm. So you know, maybe put wealth there. Wealth is the confluence of preparation and opportunity. Whether that's financial opportunity, whether that's just a self-development, personal, you know, opportunity, whether it's, you know, a property opportunity, which obviously can tra translate to wealth or happiness or whatever. But I think, you know, um, that's something that I'm getting better at is, you know, because there is a world of opportunity if we just open our eyes and, have, and, and we are prepared to take those opportunities. And that's, you know, making sure we know what we want yeah, and why we want it. And if we are prepared, we do the homework, whether it's in, you know, looking at property and wondering where I'm going to invest my money and how am I going to in increase my wealth, be clear on that. The opportunities, you'll fall over them. They will just appear. And that, you know, that builds your wealth. And, and you know, and again, it's about um, you know, the, the wealth or what you measure wealth, wealth is in, in, in between your ears, you know, your, your mental state, you know, mm -hmm. your happiness. Um, yeah, I sort of dodged that one a little bit, didn't I? That's all right. <laughs> Spring it on people at the end, see how we go. <laughs> no, that's it. Wealth is the confluence of preparation and opportunity. Love it. Charlie, <laughs> thanks for joining me on the podcast. Jason, I've loved that here at the farm at Byron Bay. It's a lovely little spot and we've stayed out of the wind. We haven't got away from 12,000 vehicles driving past. <laughs> I'm sure the very smart people in the sound desk can scrub them out yes indeed thanks mate thanks jason hey thanks for joining us on the wealth faculty hope you enjoyed make sure you subscribe where all good podcasts are found you can find us there and if you want to watch it you can subscribe on youtube positive mentor tv and until the next episode take care bye for now